Wow. I got to tell you, um, I did not swap notes with Mark before getting up here today. So, right? Right, yeah. I mean, maybe you were on my computer somewhere looking at my notes, but um, it's just incredible. God's good, huh? Hey, um, I want to take you with me on a journey to 2009. Some of you just went, I wasn't born yet. No, like, so we'll go out to 2009, and we're going to go on a trip to a nation called China. I was in Youth With A Mission. Who's heard of YWAM? Stands for Young Women After Men. So <clears throat> I've heard it said uh, Youth Without Any Money is the other one. So YWAMers are always, can I have money? Uh, can I put you on my prayer list? AKA, can you give me some money? But anyway, so YWAM, Youth Without Any Money, Young Women After Men. I was in YWAM and I went on a journey to the nation of China. And as I arrived in China, I had an amazing experience. It was absolutely life-changing and incredible. I went from village to village, from city to city. We preached the gospel. We, we prayed for the sick. We, saw, um, we just saw incredible miracles, amazing things happen. But the most moving part of the whole trip was reserved for the end when we drove from a city to another city past rice fields and more rice fields and more rice fields and onto bikes past more rice fields about eight hours into the middle of absolutely nowhere. I want you to imagine a place surrounded by rice paddies and that's all you can see as far as the eye will go. And we arrived there and we found eight to ten small children on their own playing outside of a house or a hut. And the only two people left in this village was grandma and grandpa. Because what had happened was mums and dads left the village to go to the city to earn money to send back to the family, right? And so the grandchildren were left to play on their own being looked after by grandma and grandpa. And so eight to 10 children playing, they're playing with knives, they're, they're, they're just, their basic hygiene isn't there, and our job, they've never seen a Westerner in their life, and our job is to go and preach the gospel with no translator. And children that don't know basic hygiene or have literally no education. And so what did we do? We played limbo. And we picked them up and we swung them around and we loved on him and our translator arrived about four nights later and he said, you know something? These kids don't have any adult physical contact. They've never received hugs since their parents left. They've never had someone play with them in the way you guys have. We were the first missionary team to go to this location. What an incredible, moving, powerful experience. And I watched as I saw this poverty and, and this family, I mean, I'm sorry to be graphic, but our bathroom was literally the pig pen. And I saw them take a pig, prepare it for us, and they gave us everything that they had to feed us. It's like if I came to stay in your house and you just picked the TV off the wall and was like, here you go, I love you, thanks for coming. They just honored us so much. And, I'm, and we're in the basic place of poverty and there's extreme generosity and God's just like attacking my heart. You know, just what are you picking up? What am I doing here? What are you seeing, Luke? Take this with you the rest of your life. And I didn't realize that he was saving the best till last because I, <laughs> I was just absolutely cut up, moved by this whole thing. And then I saw grandma and grandpa leaving the village. 
And I was thinking, this isn't a free babysitting service, grandma, grandpa, I don't, know what, I don't know what you think this is, but they'd spend eight to 10 hours every day plowing rice paddies with one oxen, bent over, you know, just their whole life, hard labor and work with one oxen. And they were generating enough rice to feed themselves and all of the grandbabies, and maybe one or two bags, they could go to the next village a couple of hours over to the market and sell this rice for what? What are they selling it for? Monies. Thank you very much. Monies, money, monies. What are we going to do with the money? I thought, this is great. There's entrepreneurship. There's stuff going on. And they take the money from the rice that they'd sold, moved over to another hut, and this strange thing began to happen where they paid with real money to buy fake money. Huh? Like literally Monopoly money. Real money. They bought Monopoly money. They take the Monopoly money, they went home, and they threw it in the fire. The rest of the money they had left, they took on the wall and they pinned it up, and I realized the whole hut was surrounded with fake money. These people believed that their ancestors who had passed away needed money in the afterlife. And if they didn't burn the money or put the money on the wall for them, the ancestors would come and haunt them. Like you didn't leave me a tip in the afterlife, you know? And come and get them. And so they were stuck in a cycle of poverty. And they were stuck in a cycle of having to do everything in their own strength. And the Lord got my attention. He said, son, you will never see a clearer image of a religious spirit in all of your life. Because they're trapped in a cycle an endless hamster wheel, an endless treadmill, never making traction, never making progress, taking everything they can do in their own strength, converting it for something which is worth nothing, trying to do everything that they can to get out, but they're trapped in a cycle of fear where they can't make progress and their best effort gets burned up in a fire. And he said, you'll never see a clearer image of a religious spirit in all of your life. taking real money to buy fake money to burn in a fire of fear. I've heard it said that religion is man's pursuit of God, but Christianity is God's pursuit of man. The second that you or I think that we get here on merit, that we get here into this position where we are today, how blessed we are in this moment, the second we fall into a trap that you did anything to earn the favor and the love, and the compassion, and the gifting of the Lord, you've just fallen into a cycle of a religious spirit. You did not do anything to earn your salvation. You did nothing to earn the gifts that you have. You did nothing to deserve the love of God. There wasn't anything good in you, I'm sorry to tell you. Even the good that was in you, he put in you. It was his before you knew God, he knew you. Before you knew how good he was, he was still good. While you were still far away, he still died on a cross for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal, everlasting, abundant life. And he didn't do anything. 
before you deserved it, before you even had a good thought, before you were even kind. He died on a cross for you. It's the grace of God activated through faith in your life that will sustain you, that will keep you, that will give you joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Two-thirds of the kingdom is an emotional state of goodness, peace, and joy. I'll have some of that. But the second I try and get joyful, I just need to be happy. I've fallen into a trap of a religious spirit again. Stop it. Just receive. Libby, would you stand up for me? Come on, get up to your feet. Can we give it up for Libby being here today? Isn't that awesome? So good to see you. You're amazing. You're just awesome. We love you so much, Libby. You, You can have a seat. I just saw you. I just wanted to say we love you. So were you feeling weak this morning? Good. Because his strength is perfected in you. You know the Apostle Paul writes this letter. Well, I love it. It's like, you foolish... Is it Galatians? You foolish Galatians. I was like, Ephesians? No, that's not right. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you and made you fall back to this slavery thing, to this other way of thinking? You foolish people. Paul gets so angry at them. He says, I wish that they would themselves. What? That they would castrate themselves. He said that in church. <laughs> you know, but, but he said, I'm, he was so mad. He wished that they would not be able to reproduce because he wanted this thing cut out at the root. No more seed in this thing. Nothing that can spread it further. Get rid of it. Get rid of any thinking in your mind that you are good enough in your own strength and receive the truth that you're good because he made you good and you can start to enjoy that. God's made you amazing. God's made you joyful. God's made you full of the Holy Spirit. He's not just made you a carrier of him. He lives within you and he rests upon you. He's so good and he's in such a good mood with you. Not because you did something to activate it. It's because he's good. It's called grace. I've heard it said, God's riches at Christ's expense, and I enjoy that, and I like that, but I, I want to explain grace one last time before I leave. I want, can I have a, a volunteer, just one person? I need one person up here. Come on, bro. Up you come. Thanks. Can we give it up for him for coming up, putting his hand up? All right, what's your name, bro? Joe. Joe, I'm Luke. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, you're a bad man. You, uh, you need some, uh, you need a new phone, all right? And you're a bad man. I'm walking down the street. What are you gonna do? All right, off you go. Okay, thanks Joe, that was great. You did, well, that was well played, man. I mean, that was, that, was, that was awesome. That was better than I thought it would go. So, so can, I give, can I ask you a question? What would justice be in this situation? Let's play a game. What would justice be? Hello? Yep, Joe's a bad man. He took my phone. Come and arrest him. I want him in a cell, and I'm going to sue his parents for letting him steal in church. All right, so, so the, all right, that, that, would be, that would be justice, right? Agreed? Justice would be Joe getting what he deserves, right? What would mercy be in that situation? 
<laughs> I tell you what I think mercy might be in that situation. Hey, Joe, I'm not gonna press charges, okay? Just, just, just leave the phone somewhere. I don't even need to know who it was. Just, I'm not gonna press charges. So mercy would be what? Not getting what he deserves. So what would grace be in this situation? Yeah, <laughs> keep paying it the next three years. Joe, you turn the phone around, on the back, there's like all my cards and everything. It's got my driver's license, it's got my bank card, it's got, it's actually got a motorcycle safety course card in it, so you can have that as well. So, Chuck E. Cheese gift card in there as well, I think. So, it's all yours, so you've got a brand new identity, and it's, the phone's yours to keep, and you can go live your life, man. Have a good life. So, grace is getting more than you deserve. Can I suggest to you that in the Western church, we have preached the gospel of forgiveness and never really crossed over until recently into the gospel of transformation. That at the cross, Jesus died to remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. He forgave you. The punishment that was upon who? Us was upon him. He who knew no sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he forgave us at the cross. Can I propose to you that as the church, we wait at the cross too long and we don't wait the three days to get into the tomb and come out the other side where the grace gets extended that you're not just forgiven, you're brand stinking new. You're a new creation. The old has gone, passed away, the new has come. Anyone who's in Christ is a brand new creature. This new creature is, has a different hardwired program operating system. Your old operating system made you want to sin. Your new operating system makes you want to worship. Your new operating system makes you want to be in his presence. I heard it. I think I saw it on Facebook that religion, when you mess up, is you're scared of your dad coming to punish you. Jesus, Christianity, a relationship with God is when you realize he just wants to pick you up and remind you you're way too awesome to be behaving like that. For so long in the West, we've stopped at the cross and never pushed through into the tomb and out the other side. You are a brand new creation, empowered, Holy Spirit filled, ready to raise the dead. You got a PhD. D in the Holy Spirit. Some of you feel unqualified. Well, you got a PhD. Pray for the sick, heal the sick, deliver them from demons. <laughs> right. Can I have my phone now, Joe? Come on, man. <laughs> Love you, man. Thanks, dude. Give it up for Joe one more time. You know, just to illustrate this, Guy, great plug for baptisms, by the way. I just, I love water baptism. It's amazing. I think Wednesday night, Andy, where are you at? Give me a wave. It's your turn Wednesday night, bro. It's getting baptized at youth. But I love water baptism. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. And it illustrates this whole point, right? We go down where? Into the water, into the grave, into the death of Jesus, and we come up the other side. I'm clean. I'm brand new. I'm ready to go, Right? So for so long, why have we stopped in the West with the death? We're forgiven. Okay. What happens if you stay there? You know, like, you got to get up and out the other side and get in the game. Don't stay under the water. Get clean, get up, and get busy. 
All right, next point. Get out the water and get into your new life. There's so many suffocating Christians out there. I, um, I just got some points I wanted to share. Tom said, give it up for Tom, by the way. Don't you love Pastor Tom? Thanks, man. I love you. There's, there's a list of things. I just, Tom said, is there anything you want to share after two and a half, three years with us? I was like, uh, yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can we please replace the sign in the cafe? That's my one thing. No, I'm joking. Number one, get free at any cost. I recently, uh, I have a good friend. He, he actually pastors one of the life churches in, in Morris, Illinois. And for the last two years, we've played a game called fantasy football. I think you have it, but it's called fantasy egg ball where you are, right? I mean, yeah, okay, so fantasy football where you play the game with your feet, you know? I, no, not translating, lost in translation. Okay, fantasy soccer in the Premier League, and you get points for having a good solid defense, you get points for assisting a goal, you get points for scoring a goal, and every Saturday, what's great about the time difference of living in the States is 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning, I can be with my kids while my wife sleeps in, and I get bonus points for getting up early with the kids, looking after them, making breakfast. Really, I'm just watching the soccer. Because in the UK, it takes you a whole day because it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You've got to leave at 12. You're not home until six. So thank you, Jesus, for time difference. So I just watch every Saturday morning the soccer game. And I've been playing this game with my friend where watching who scored, who got an assist, what defense did well. And we like to like keep it spicy, you know, make it fun. And, and I had a really silly idea that whoever wins gets to enjoy the victory by the loser buying the winner a steak. Right? Just keep it, keep it busy. Keep it spicy. Just enjoy it even more. And so, unfortunately, he won. And he understood mercy. He wasn't going to give me what I deserve. And he said, double or nothing. Steak, nice steak, and dessert. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Right, I'll take you next year. No problem. Let's go. Well, I lost again. <laughs> this week, my close friend drove down to, to see us one last time. And if he's listening, I love you, man. Thank you so much. And, and we hung out and we went to a hotel near downtown and Tenderloin Room. Anyone heard of it? You know, yeah, nice. Right. Thank you. It says St. Louis, Louis Finest Steak. I was like, okay, got to do it. You know, I, I said I would. And I'm thinking, let's do lunch. Because we never agreed the time of day, you know. So, so, he, comes, so he comes down, let, let's do lunch together. And we're at the Tenderloin Room lunch menu. And it says filet mignon and New York. And I was like, oh, there's only two steaks on the menu. And they, they were reasonably priced, you know, these steaks on the menu. And, and we sit down and my friend just goes, oh, all right, bruv, to the, to the waiter. All right, bruv, bro, uh, can I order off the dinner menu? <laughs> and so, yeah, no problem, of course, sir. Whatever you like, no problem. Have some bread, sir. I was, oh, thanks, bro. And he gets out the dinner menu and goes through the steaks. And I'm thinking, 
that wasn't the plan. That, that wasn't how this was supposed to go down. And you get down to the bottom and it says cowboy steak. And I'm thinking, oh, all right, that can't be that bad. And there's two little letters next to it, MP. And I'm like, oh, cool, all right. I don't know what that means. Well, I get the bill at the end and my eyeballs nearly fell out of the socket because my friend had made sure he understood. If I'm paying, he's enjoying. <laughs> he was gonna make me pay every cent of what I owed him. Can I suggest to you that sometimes we reduce down what Jesus did for us on the cross because we think we somehow are still on the hook for the bill. He has paid it all. I can't. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It, it's, all I know is when Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, it is finished. It is done. The curse was broken. That temple curtain tore from the top to the bottom. And so it must have been him. The Holy Spirit's poured out upon his people. Sons and daughters will prophesy, both male and female. Put your hand up if you're a son or a daughter, male or female. Then that includes you all, or y'all, <laughs> I'm learning. You know, so it includes you. You are filled, you are anointed, you're appointed, you're chosen with a purpose. But if you believe you're responsible to maintain the anointing, if you're responsible to maintain qualification in the game, you'll reduce what you do to a poverty level of thinking because it's what you can afford. But Jesus paid it all in full. Part of our vision statement is that we want everyone to live in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. You can have whatever you want off the menu and he's paying it. Don't reduce your dreams and your visions and your thinking to what you can do maximize them to what he's already done. Number two, you'll like this one, Ed. Confidence is not arrogance. Growing confidence and humility. You see, arrogance is rooted in fear and you can smell it when someone walks in the room. Confidence is rooted in security. For too long, we've told people that are followers of Jesus to be humble and to be in humility and really what we're doing is putting a reverse form of pride on them. Don't ever be special. Don't ever do anything. Don't do ever do anything pretty cool. We reduce people down. Don't stand out. It's called tall puppy syndrome. Someone stands up in the crowd. We've got to cut them down to the size of the rest of us. Can I suggest to you that in the church, we can have no room for it? We want to be a field full of tall poppies. And if someone's taller than you, celebrate them. If you, if you find you're jealous of someone, tell them how awesome they are. Don't restrict what they can do to what you've got in here. Celebrate other people's strength and you'll find that yours gets bigger too. Increase your understanding of generosity, not just in finances, but in your whole life. Be generous with compliments. Be generous with your words. Don't hold back. If you're in this house and you love Pastor Tom and Randy and they've blessed you, do me a favor, tell them. If you love your wife or your husband, tell them. You love your kids, tell them. If someone in here has blessed you in any capacity and you feel that like, I don't want to be intimate, do it. Get over yourself, yes. push through it, yes. and tell them. So number one, get free at any cost. Number two, confidence is not arrogance. Growing confidence and humility. I've got some Bible characters might help you. Joseph, you imagine Joseph understands he's highly favored and he's anointed. He gets given a special gift that makes him what? Stand out. You know, he's like, what's the song? Uh, can't remember it. Huh? 
close every door to me. No? You don't have the musical over here? Yeah, yeah, that one. He's got the Technicolor dream coat. He's a singing, dancing, rock star, superstar Joseph. You know, he's awesome. Everyone loves Joseph apart from his brothers. He's been chosen and he stands out. He's different. He's called. He's favored. He looks different. Everything he does prospers. Imagine if Joseph's just like, nah, I'll wear my ordinary coat today. He gets caught being proposed at by Potiphar's missus. He finds himself, ah, I don't really have a special calling. I don't have my coat. I don't have integrity. Just How different would Joseph's life be if he didn't know who he was and he wasn't confident? He's in the jail cell. The guys come back. He's like, hey, pst, I'll, I'll do your dream, but just remember me. And they come back and they forget him. And he's like, oh, don't worry. Just forget me. I'll just, I'll just stay here. No problem. David, the whole of the nation is, the Bible says, shaking in their boots. And David's like, I don't want to go see Goliath. I don't know who I am. No, David's had an encounter with things in a fill and he knows who he is. He's confident. Yes. People don't teach you this, but that slingshot had the, had the weapon power in it, the same as kind of a handhold gun. I'm in America, I can talk about guns. But, but he, it, had the, it had the strength of a gun. It wasn't just like, <laughs> bing, you know, I got it. You know, it was like he was confident. He had a weapon that he was familiar with, with a load of power in it. If it was aimed correctly, it would take him out. He went and was like, if God's for me, who can be against? He's like, hey, let's go. I'm confident not just in God, but what he's given me. I'm going to go and join in the battle. He wasn't intimidated and he wasn't arrogant. He was just confident. It's all these Bible, read the Bible with new eyes. You imagine Moses, he's like, I'm just a man of, I can't do it. Who do I say I am? Okay, he suffered then in that moment, but I got a theory, yeah, he knew what he was doing. Talk to John Block about that, he'll expand it to you sometime. Take him out to lunch and ask him about Moses. I got a theory, he kind of knew what he was doing, what he was getting up to. You imagine Moses, he's coming up to the Red Sea, look, he's gonna turn the Nile into blood. All these people are watching him. Whoever suffered from fear of man in any capacity. All these people are watching him like, now's the time to perform, Mo. <laughs> like, you got to do it, dude. Like, you got to come through. And he's got his staff, you know, that God's given him. And the, the, the Nile's there. And he's, it's just... Blood. <laughs> you know, like, like, I can't see Moses shirking back from what God had given him. He's got to part the Red Sea. Boom! And it parts. Can I suggest to you, some of you need to start grabbing your staff of what God's put in your hand and activating it with all that you've got, with confidence, not shirking back from fear of being, oh, I'll just be told I'm arrogant or I'm too proud. No, be confident in what the Lord has called you to do. What he's given you, he hasn't given anyone else. You're original and not a copy. Be authentically you. The world's already got one, Tom, and he's awesome, but don't try and be him. Be you. If you try and copy Tom, you'll be a cheap Tom and you'll reduce him to another Tom. Just be you and be a top quality you. And I promise you, I won't try and copy you. Don't try and copy me. Just be you. Be beautiful. <laughs> All right. Number three. Can we put the scripture on the screen? Acts 1, 5 to 8. For John baptized with water, 
but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus. And then they gathered around him, that's his followers, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mark, I did not read your notes, I promise you. If you understand the context of this verse, you understand these guys have been hanging out with Jesus for a little while. He's already died, he's already risen again. So what do the disciples and the followers of Jesus at this stage in the conversation know to be true about Jesus? They know that he's the Messiah, right? I mean, if you had any doubt when he was hung on the cross, when he burst out of the tomb and walked through a wall into the upper room, like, ta-da, <laughs> you know, like, I think you might change your mind. Show us your wounds, show us your scars. I think he's given enough points to these people to show that he is the promised one, the anointed one, the one who was to come. And what was the role of the Messiah if you followed the Davidic line and the, and the, the story, the, one of the red threads of the Old Testament was to do what? To restore the kingdom of Israel. We were supposed to get back to where we started, Jesus, and they're with him and he's like, hey guys, Don't worry about the timing. Don't worry about what God's gonna do, what the Father's preordained. Your job is not to worry about what this is going to look like. Your job is to worry about witnessing or being a witness. He says two words in here. You'll receive power, dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. You'll receive dynamite, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be empowered for works of ministry, And he says, you'll be my witnesses. And if we look at the word witnesses, it's it's very similar to the root word. In fact, it's the same one where we get our word martyr from. Because a martyr would do what before they are killed for their faith? They would witness and they would be killed because they didn't stop, they didn't retract their witness. Correct? And so you will be my dynamite powerful people You will be my martyrs and my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we look at the the timing of that, who's ever heard an amazing sermon or ever preached it? I think I have on Jerusalem is where you live and Judea is, and we go from like this area to this area and this area and we expand the kingdom. Who's ever heard something like that? Well, if we look at the structure of that sentence, it isn't compartmentalized. First you start here and then you go here and then you go here, then you go here. It's all a verb. It's all, you will be my dynamite, powerful witness martyrs everywhere, all at the same time. You'll be here, 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 and here. And so I don't think Jesus is talking necessarily about just geographical areas. I think he's talking about people groups. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Guys, it's called the Great Commission, not the Great Omission. We have to witness We have to go and make disciples, not just of people, but of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Life Church, be a church on the move. Life Church, don't pray for revival. You are revival. Don't ask for a move of God. You are the move of God. 
if you haven't been activated and filled up and loved and pastored and counseled enough by now, I don't believe you'll ever get there. In your wounds, get in the game. In your pain, get in the game. The times I've been most set free from hurt is when I'm hurting the most and I find someone who's hurting more than me. And I realize it just changes your perspective. If you're in pain, find someone in more pain and love them. If you're in stress, find someone more stressed and pray for them. The kingdom will come through you. Followers were asking, Jesus, are you gonna over, really what they're saying is, are you gonna overthrow Rome now? Are you gonna like, are you gonna be the man in charge around here? Are you gonna overthrow the political system and the religious system? And Jesus is like, don't worry about politics or religion. Just be you, be beautiful. <laughs> be my witness, dynamite carrying martyrs everywhere you go to all people groups and my kingdom will come. Can I suggest that some of us need to take off the lens that we have that God's gonna do everything through power, people. Whatever your power structure is, if you read the book of Luke Acts, it will dissect your power, your power paradigm. It's not going to happen through politics. It's not gonna happen through organized religion. It's not gonna happen through big business. How will it happen? Whatever your power idol is, it happens through you being dispersed as salt, yeast, and light. It doesn't happen with the big, it happens with you. Mark mentioned it, look at China. If you need an example of what this looks like, study what God is doing in China. Don't worry, forgive me, I'm leaving. Don't worry about who the president is. Just be yeast, salt, and light, and the kingdom will come. Number four, do not despise the day of small beginnings. I heard this story once of these people who were, I'm kind of nearly done-ish. I'll do that preacher thing. I got one more illustration. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I heard this story once of someone going for a stroll along a beach one day and it's a beautiful day and they're just going for a walk and they've got their bucket and spade because they've still got an inner child that needs healing and they're just like, you know, they're digging and they're putting it in buckets and they're having fun and they turn around and they realize that the whole of the beach is covered in starfish. A starfish as far as the eye could see. This person on the beach with their bucket and their spade is just overwhelmed with the need. Overwhelmed with the overwhelming amounts of need all around them. There's starfish everywhere and these little baby starfish are starving and dying and it's just, you know, it's on the beach. It needs rescuing. It needs, it needs saving. It needs someone to help it. And they're overwhelmed with feeling of needing to help this starfish. And so they pick up the first little teeny tiny baby one they see. You know, and they pick it up and they throw it into the ocean. And they move on. Where's the next one? They pick up a little starfish and they throw it into the ocean. Then they find the mom starfish. And they're like, come on, mom, go find your babies. And they release it into the ocean. And they're just cleaning up this beach. And they're, and they're helping. And someone comes along, this accuser comes along and just says, what are you doing? Look how many starfish there are. There's as many starfish as there are grains of sand. 
What difference can you possibly make? And this person just picked up a starfish, threw it in the ocean and said, well, it made a difference to that one. Don't worry about the big picture. Stop for the one person in front of you. If we're enough drops in the ocean, we'll change this system one drop at a time. <laughs> Just be beautiful out in the world. Stop for the one starfish and start today. And Lucy and I are going to Norway. That was a weird transition. And Lucy and I are going to Norway. We don't really know what we're doing. We have kind of a feeling, an inkling, a gut reaction to what God's doing in us and what he's asking us to do, but we don't know the picture. We don't know really where we're going to live or how we're going to have an income or what we're going to, we just don't know. But we know enough. Sometimes his word is a lamp and sometimes it's a light. Sometimes it's just enough to keep you going one step at a time and sometimes you'll see the whole path. Right now, we feel like we're going to walk into a wall. Like, or off the edge of a stage. <laughs> you know, like we just feel like we're, we're just, but it's enough. We're going knowing that it's enough. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to look for starfish that need help. And we're going to expand the kingdom by being a witness. And the rest, if we seek the kingdom first, will be added to us. I've often heard it said, preach and if necessary, use words. If I could ask anything as we leave, let that be a preach. We don't know, but we know enough. We don't know, but we know enough. I want to tell you a little bit about Norway before we go. Do you mind? No? One of you want us to? Anyone want to hear about Norway? Yes. All right, there we go. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know now, but it will work out. Norway is a nation in Scandinavia and Europe. A population of five million people, that's it. They're amazing, wonderful Norwegians. You find them spread out all over the world. And there's a play, no, there was a book written by a Danish man who was trying to explain the mindset, the cultural mindset of the Scandinavian people. This man made a book, and in this book, he built this fictional village, and he built 10 rules that everyone who was a member of the village should live by. Are you tracking with me? Okay, and it was a way to explain the Scandinavian mindset, the way that they think, the way that the culture operates. And this was such an accurate description that universities will teach this material in sociological classes of this is an accurate description of the Norwegian Scandinavian mindset. Are you tracking? Yes. We will use this to describe accurately the right way to think as a Scandinavian. And when you hear this, I'm sorry if you flinch. Number one, you are not to think you are anything special. Number two, you're not to think you are as good as we are. Number three, you're not to think you are smarter than we are. Number four, you're not to imagine yourself better than we are. Number five, you're not to think you know more than we do. Number six, you're not to think you are more important than we are. Number seven, you're not to think you are good at anything. Number eight, you're not to laugh at us. Number nine, you're not to think anyone cares about you. Number 10, you're not to think you can teach us anything. Need a shower now? Feel gross? So I don't know what we're gonna do, but I know 
that we're going to release the opposite to that turd. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> you are chosen royalty. Number two. We celebrate the gold in you. Number three. You have the mind of Christ. Number four. We tear down vain imaginations. We don't make them up. I've lost it. It's gone. Number six. No, number five, revelation is yours. Number six, Jesus purchased you. Number seven, nothing is impossible for those in Christ Jesus. Number eight, God sits in the heavens and laughs. Number nine, whilst you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Number 10, the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power and demonstration. So we'll teach you with miracles. So we don't know, but whenever you feel that the enemy's up to something, here's a top tip, just release the opposite. And it'll work out. I got a little video for you to watch and then, uh, then we'll pray and go eat some food. But if you would roll the video, it'd be amazing. Cooling unit, come in. We are getting in position. Please confirm coordinates. Transferring coordinates, proceed to position. Coordinates received. Requesting mission details. Your mission will be delivered by contact on ground. nothing yet. Exactly what it is. Your mission is to discover Norway without specific coordinates because to truly discover you have to do it yourself. All right, so Impact Weekend, my friend came up to me and he made me this jacket. This is the Norwegian flag. Isn't that cool? So you see me wearing this with pride. It's because we're going to go release the opposite and change the world. Can I pray for you guys? And then um, Guy's going to close up. But that's us. We don't, we'll get the mission on ground. We don't know the coordinates. God will figure it all out. We'll, it'll come. And if that's not an advert to come and visit us, I don't know what is. So let's, let's pray. And then um, would you stand to your feet for me? And uh, you feel comfortable, just place a hand on your heart or somewhere around there. And 
and I'll pray. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've poured into myself, my wife, our children, and this family. Thank you, Lord, for the love. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the confidence building and the character building. Thank you, Lord, that what's not seen on a stage so outweighs what, what, yeah, way more than what happens on this little area here. Thank you for the people in this house that are solid gold and that love so well. I thank you for their voice into my life. And Father, I pray over everyone here, everyone gathered in the name of the Lord. I pray a brand new blessing. I ask for an increased anointing to go into all the world and be a witness. Lord, I ask for power to come upon them, that as they love their neighbors, as they love their colleagues, as they love their family, they would see this nation transformed again. Lord, that they would see people come to know you for the first time. I pray over this house, more water baptisms. I pray over this house that they would grasp the revival is here and the revival is in them. In Jesus' name, everybody said.